Welcome to the Arsenal Tottenham Fan Podcast. It is week seven of the Premier League, and both Arsenal and Tottenham are undefeated, unlike the PGMOL. Oh, the PGMOL. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I, I have lots to say, and I'm looking forward to saying it. Yeah, so we're going to have a, a great opportunity to talk about that. What we are going to do is uh, Arsenal played Brentford in the Carborough Cup. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Then since Arsenal played first, we're going to do a recap of the Arsenal-Bournemouth game. And then what everyone is waiting for, we're going to talk about that shit show that was the Tottenham-Liverpool match. Indeed. Rick, how does that sound? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds really good. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's jump right into talking about um, Arsenal at Brentford. It was the Carborough Cup, which is not exactly the most important fixture. Third round of the Carborough Cup, actually. So not the most important fixture uh, that Arsenal is going to play this year. And it, granted, it's old news by now, but a couple of points I wanted to make about that game is, first of all, you know, when we came off the pitch against y'all, we were beaten up pretty bad. Uh, if you remember, Saka um, was carrying a knock. William Saliba was carrying a knock. Declan Rice didn't come out after halftime uh, because he was carrying a knock. Fe- Fabio Vieira got a knock. I mean, as a club, we were pretty well beaten up. And when the starting lineups for the Brentford game were announced, it was pretty well a rotated side, as we expected. Um, And since it was the Carborough Cup and Brentford was playing at home, we expected Brentford to have a heavily rotated side, and they did not. They came out with only two changes from their previous Premier League fixture. So they were taking it really seriously. And the first point I wanted to make is the first half was all Arsenal. I mean, it was a you know mixture of youth, Smith Rowe, Nelson, Charles Sagna, who is an 18-year-old academy player uh, subbing in for Bakayo Saka. Uh, And old-timers with Jorginho uh, playing in there as well. So, you know, very eclectic mix, so to speak. Aaron Ramsey in goal. And in that first half, we owned them, which was a, a shock to me. Um, and we scored in the eighth minute. Really nice finish from Reese Nelson. Uh, but the second half was a different story. You know, that second half was pretty much all Brentford until Arsenal brought on uh, Jesus and Martin Odegaard. And once they did that, Arsenal was able to get a lot more foothold into the game. 
But I think you've got to give Arsenal credit for going to Brentford, playing against a Premier League team. Uh, for those of you not watching on video, uh, Rick is shaking his head no. Uh, but I will shake my head yes, because uh, we, we go on the road to a Premier League team once again and get the shutout victory. Um, one thing I a couple of things I want to mention is Reese Nelson looked great value for his starting role. So you've got to wonder if his performance in that match is going to help get him some additional time on the pitch, especially with the injuries to um, Martinelli and to um, our other wing options, um, namely uh, Trossard. Secondly, it was a really nice uh, appearance. Smith Rowe got 80 minutes. Didn't play fantastic, but he played well. Uh, showed the attack and threat that he's known for. You have to wonder if that um, time on the pitch is going to get him some more minutes, uh, especially as we go to Lens to play uh, in the Champions League tomorrow, which will be Tuesday for most of you guys um, listening to this. And uh, another point I wanted to make in, in the game is uh, something that Elliot said on the Arsenal Vision podcast. I don't necessarily agree with him um, a, a ton, but I thought he made a really insightful point in that in the second half, when Brentford was all over us, Aaron Ramsdale continued to go long. So he would, I think he kicked it long. 15 times or something like that in the second half and only completed one or two of them. Uh, and, and he made some great saves, fantastic saves. And um, as far as between the sticks, he looked as good as he ever has in an Arsenal shirt. But after the game, um, my, uh, Miguel Arteta made the comment that we played too direct and we needed to find a way to play less direct. Uh, and I think that is a reason uh, and a major reason why Aaron Ramsdale is not starting the important Premier League fixtures and so far hasn't started a Champions League game for us. Rick, any thoughts on that? No, I think you're spot on with Ramsdale. Um, it certainly seems he is being strategically selected right now. Mm -hmm. Great way to put it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And it'll be interesting to see if he gets any Champions League games or if he gets any Premier League games or if he's been relegated. I hate to use that term in regards to him, to the cup keeper. Uh, but we'll see going forward. So on Saturday morning, uh, we uh, Saturday morning here in the U.S., 3 o'clock um, time in London. Arsenal visited the South Coast and played Bournemouth. In the lead-up to that game, I mentioned we had a heavily rotated side against Brentford. In the lead-up to that game, Arteta, in his press conference, mentioned that we had seven guys that did not participate in training. Now, this was on Friday morning. 
So they were still to have the Friday training session. But he said we didn't have seven players in training. So all Arsenal fans were going, oh, what kind of lineup are we going to put out against Bournemouth? And now all of a sudden, is this going to be a tricky fixture? When it was going into it, it was certainly a must win. I mean, you, you know, the way that Man City was playing and even Tottenham was playing, you know, after they're, you know, were able to come to the Emirates and get a result, you know, we certainly have to take them seriously as a Premier League contender. Rick has now um, gotten a lot closer to the mic. He's, he's ready to jump in here. <laughs> I've caught his attention. <laughs> Maybe I caught his attention earlier. Now I have his interest. Uh, but uh, uh, so, you know, must win fixture for us. And the start lineups were announced. And basically all seven were in it. You know, you can, you can count on Mikel Arteta to mislead as much as injuries, uh, much as injuries go. So um, about the only starter that we didn't have in there was Martinelli. And, you know, I think we played – the manager for Bournemouth comes from the Basque country. Um, Arteta knows him from – played in the same team together when yeah, they were yeah. younger, right? That's right. No, knows him from way back. And he came to Arsenal from Real Sociedad where he had a fantastic season. Um in La Liga with him and he's got him playing, you know, front footed, um, front footed football. And I, I don't particularly know why, um, that Arteta set the team up like this, but we did not press as aggressively as we had against Tottenham, for instance. And I don't know if it was a strategic decision on his part, uh, he saw something in Bournemouth built up where he didn't want to get beat, um, dribbled through. I don't know whether he felt maybe Bournemouth didn't have the op- uh, the options to beat him in the back, so that they could play more controlled. I, I don't I don't know if it was the injuries and he didn't feel that we had the health to run helter skelter like we have in the past. But um, we played, you know, we played relatively awful. Um, and it took us about three minutes to get a hold of the ball. But after that, it was all Arsenal. You know, I've got a note on eight minutes, a good spell of possession. And we were, you know, against y'all, uh, we didn't really focus on the possession game. Like, we were very attack focused we would just make a pass or two at the back and then we were across the halfway line and trying to score and against Bournemouth we were a lot more measured there were a lot more passes between the center backs there were a lot more passes from the midfielders back to the center backs and so I, I think that one thing that Arteta realized is that we have to be a lot more patient in attack than we were against Tottenham. Uh, on 16 minutes, uh, Odegaard, great ball to Jesus at the back post. 
Jesus headed it off the crossbar, and the rebound came to Saka. It was just a one-bounce rebound right to him. And he just nodded it home, nodded it into the ground, and then into the goal. Um, Easy, easy finish for him. And again, uh, as I mentioned in the Tottenham game, when you have all the territory, you get bounces like that in the box, and it makes it easy to score a goal. So one nothing to the Arsenal. Uh, did you have a chance to see that, Rhett? I didn't see the game live um, because cause I was doing what Arsenal were doing with Bournemouth. I was taking a stroll through the park. <laughs> yes, it was definitely a stroll through the park or uh, that – or on the South Coast, maybe a stroll down the beach. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and after Ar- Arsenal scored first, it, you know, it, Arsenal had Arsenal is thirty five, or I'm sorry, thirty four five and zero when scoring first. So um, when they're playing at home and they score first, they don't lose. Uh, or not even at home, I'm sorry. When they score first, they don't lose. They draw, but they don't lose. Uh, and so, again, Arsenal had to feel great about the 1-0 lead. On 30, Havertz gets a yellow. Five minutes later, or a little bit less than five minutes later, one of their dudes does the exact same thing and doesn't get a yellow, uh, which is kind of par for the course with PGMOL. On 40 minutes, Arsenal had had five shots. Bournemouth had had one. So that'll just reiterate how patient in attack that we were. We weren't all hell for leather trying to pepper the goal with shots. We were trying to keep the ball. Also on 40 minutes, um, once they did get a shot, we got the obligatory TV shot of Aaron Ramsdale sitting on the bench. Doing this. <laughs> That's right. Well, they, they weren't really even a save to make. So they didn't Raya, even get Raya punts he, the ball up to the halfway line. That's right. They didn't even they didn't even get to do that. But so they they, they finally got Raya in the TV screen. So then they had to flip over to Aaron Ramsdale. Um, which I thought was pretty funny. On in the 41st minute, uh it was uh in Cadia, nice drive into the box. Stone cold penalty all day long. Uh, one of their idiots goes sliding in, um, in on him. Uh, and it was as obvious as one is going to be. Was it similar to the slide that Enkedia did last week against Vicario? No. No. <laughs> this was, this was. Uh, I just check in. Yeah. Th- this was, you know, even, you know, the difference is that one was in a different penalty box. You know, this one was the defender on him in his penalty box. And it was as stone. I mean, why the guy goes sliding in on him is beyond me. But anyway, he does. He doesn't get the ball. He cleans him out. Uh, Odegaard, uh, Saka does the thing where he stands over it. He hands it to Odegaard. Odegaard stutters. Into the um, into the far corner, easy goal, two nil to the Arsenal, and that was pretty much that. I did make one note that 
Ben White is not good on throw-ins. Wow, he is a really good player. He he th- did one throw-in where the ball had to go 30 feet in the air, maybe 40 feet in the air. I mean, it was like a punt. <laughs> I mean, you know, half the half the I mean, players from half field could have ran and got to the ball before it hit the ground. You know, but anyway, so I, I think he needs to work on those. Uh, they did attack our goal in the 45th minute. Gabriel had a really nice block uh, on a shot from Solenke. And then Rhea made a great save uh, in the 49th minute. And, and um, you know, just after halftime, but since they had already done the obligatory shot of Aaron Ramsdale, they didn't come back to that. Uh you know, my question at halftime for the team was, when are they going to get the third goal so they can start subbing out their injured players? And the answer to that was in the 50th minute. Did you see the Ryan Christie foul on Odegaard? <laughs> Literally the dumbest foul that has ever been made in the history of the Premier League. <laughs> so Ode- Odegaard got something. That, so Odegaard has the ball in the box. Well, Ryan Christie goes sliding in, but misses him. So Odegaard tries to step over him, and he raises his leg to trip him. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, it's, when you slide in and you don't hit him, you got to consider yourself lucky. But you don't raise your leg to make sure you get him when you're in the box. So... And one one of the coolest things in the game is that Saka was holding the ball again, and Odegaard looked like he was going to go take it again, but then Gabriel Jesus says something to him. And so he goes over and gives the ball to Kai Havertz. So Havertz steps up, does almost the exact same approach is Odegaard, uh, stutter, left foot, bottom corner, goal to Kai Havertz. And after the game, Arteta talked about how proud he was, not of necessarily the win, but how his players were people and how they had the empathy to understand what Kai Havertz was going through and what a meaningful gesture that would be to him. Maybe maybe Havertz, when he saw that, it was probably like, uh, uh, no, I'm okay, thanks. Well, I was wondering. Do you know yeah, what I mean? I was, I was certainly wondering. Like, not a pen- I'll take a free kick, but not, not a penalty. I know. I, you know, and, But he stepped up, and I'm going to say, there won't no doubt. I mean, he did it like he had – he did it like he had been doing it his whole life. And – Interestingly enough, it was his first goal in his last 30 club matches. So that's not a small number. You know, I mean, that is, you know, that is not, I mean, that that is, I'm sorry, last 20 club appearances. I mean, that's not a small number either. And he was mobbed by the teammates. I mean, mobbed. So, uh, you know, a, a, what a gesture by Odegaard and Saka. You know, great presence of mind by Jesus. 
and a real full feel good moment for Kai Havertz and uh, the Arsenal supporters who literally sang and chanted the entire second half. You could hear it on the TV. One of the commentators mentioned that he hadn't heard an away crowd so loud since he's been attending Premier League games. I mean, it was amazing. But the Kai Havertz song is to that, what's that, that Africa song kind of thing, the Shakira song, Waka Waka. Uh, what was it? What, how's it go? Uh, waka Waka. Um, oh, well, Waka Waka, 60 million. Uh, oh, I can't remember what it is. Somebody, 60 million wasted. Uh, Waka Waka, um, Kai Havert scores again or something. Anyway, a great song. If you Arsenal fans are listening, send us a link on the uh, on the website. <laughs> That's right. I should I should have had Arsenal's this. Com. That's right. I, 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 I want to hear it now. Yeah, I should I should have had that thing. I should have had that thing on there. Uh, but anyway, uh, so a great moment for him and. Um, you know, uh, so we started uh, we started taking players off in the about, about the sixtieth, seventieth minute. Zinchenko and uh, Enkedia came off for Nelson and um, Nelson and Tommy Asu. And I hate to say that, but one thing that I noticed is. Um, that when we don't have Zinchenko on the pitch, we lose a little, um, we lose a little control of the match. And as soon as he went, he went off again, it was, you know, we had a little difficult time keeping the ball. So here is the Kai Havertz song. It's Waka Waka AA, 60 million down the drain. Kai Havertz scores a game. So that is your Kai Havertz song for the day. Uh, I should have recorded it and played it on here, but uh, but so it goes. Uh, Saka got whacked again and could barely walk again. He comes off. Vieira comes on. Smith Rowe came on for Jorginho. And then in the 92nd minute, Ben White scored from a free kick. And that's 4-0 to the Arsenal. And while on the one hand, it's a stroll in the park, it's a great victory, we needed the four-goal margin to catch up to your y'all's uh, goal, goal difference. And, and anytime you go on the road in the Premier League and get a 4-0 win, that's pretty awesome. But three of the goals were set pieces. You know, two penalty kicks and a set-piece goal. Yeah. You know, that, that doesn't mean that the issues that we have creating from open play have been alleviated because it's something that we're still working on. Uh, so what did we learn in this particular fixture? I think we learned that Arsenal is still a dominant team and they can go on the road to teams that will play them 
and control the match. So, you know, I think this is the way Arsenal wants to play going forward. We want to control the ball, not necessarily take a zillion shots, but have the shots we take be good ones. And I think Arteta's mantra is the best defense is a good offense. And it's clear he's still focused on uh, keeping clean sheets. And that is our fourth clean sheet against Premier League teams this year yeah. uh, on the road. <clears throat> yeah, it's decent. Yeah. So, Rick, any thoughts on the game? Well, other than um, surprised that Saka was left out for like 75, 78 mm-hmm. minutes, whatever it was, mm-hmm. you know, I thought that was strange, you know. Especially yeah, when you yeah. guys have got you got City coming up, right? Yeah, um, I mean that's, you know, that's Arteta, man. I mean he he believes that those guys should play. I mean, I can remember him um, in a fixture two years ago, and I forget who was Thomas Party wanting to come off, could barely walk, and he's coming toward the sideline, and Arteta going out there and pushing him back on the field. <laughs> you know, so. Um, so yeah, Arteta, he tries to get the most out of those guys. That's for sure. Nothing wrong with that. So let's talk about the Liverpool Tottenham match that has every premier league fan talking. Wow. Yeah. What a shit show. Um, which really, it's a real shame really, because the the first half an hour of that game was electrifying. Uh Well, it, it had to be. I mean, it was yeah. back and forth, you know, great football played. Yeah. I mean, you had two teams here that were like, if you score one, we're going to we'll score two. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Liverpool, I mean, Liverpool, they were slightly the better team in that first half an hour. They looked really good coming forward. Oh, my God. I mean. They have all year. Yeah. I mean, Klopp's got them going again. I mean, Salah looks, you know, he's electrifying when he gets on the ball. It's, uh, I mean, he's 30, 30 some, and he's still fast and electric. Fair play to a doggy, though. You know, sucker last week, Salah this week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and it's for him, it's good. It's his first season in the Prem, and he's up against these kind of guys. That's all good for the team. That's Um, right. But it all went to hell in a handbasket, you know. And I will start start out by saying if if anyone's on here thinking I'm going to give any sympathy to Liverpool, it ain't it. (laughs) Right. It is not going to happen, right? And I'm not meaning mean-spiritedly or anything like that, just that with everything, with VAR, PGMOL, all of that, this is football at the end of the day, right? Before we had VAR, these things were happening, but because we have 24-hour, seven days a week, Three six three hundred sixty five days a year news cycles social media we're battered with slow mos memes and videos from every angle right you know what I mean whereas just a few years ago before VAR or years ago when I was growing up when it was the first division you'd watch the game whether you were there or watched it on TV and you'd piss and moan about it for a few hours afterwards and then you're done all right you'd move mm-hmm. on. We don't have that option in this day and age right now. Do you know what I mean? Because guys like us are going to tear it 
apart every five minutes. You know what I mean? Well, it deserves to be tearing apart. But let, let's let, let's kind of go in chronicle origin or chronological order of the game. Uh, so the first yellow. No, no. Let's talk about the the straight red. What did you think about that call on Luis Diaz? Um, it was a red card. Um, that and now here's here's my point, right? That's my opinion, right? Uh-huh. Because in the letter of the law, right, whether you rolled the ball or anything like that, it was studs in the guy's shins. By letter of the law, that's a red card. With the VAR and everybody going on, I'm hearing people saying that wasn't a red. The Darren England in the VAR truck needs to be fired. This guy should get fired. Howard Webb will get fired if he doesn't buck up his ideas. Right. And like, and fair play to Klopp after the game. He said he was very level headed, very unusual for him. <laughs> That's a fact. Right. And Postacoglu said, you know, it's not an errorless game. It's, it's the human factor goes into this and always has, right? There's so mm-hmm. many gray areas. Case in point. I won't say what show it was, three ex-footballers sitting on this show screaming for the heads of these referees, how bad the referees are. This guy should get fired. That guy should get fired. We shouldn't be making mistakes like this because apparently those three guys are not human beings. They might have been holograms, AI robots I was looking at. Uh-huh. So after they had their little rant about that, then they talked about this very challenge on Bisuma, right? Uh-huh. And the one guy said, well, I thought it was borderline. And then the other guy said, are you crazy? That that's, wasn't even – it was a yellow card at best. And the third guy said, no, 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 it was a straight red. I don't know what you guys are talking about. And I'm thinking, yeah. can you hear yourselves? Yeah. After what you just said, can you hear – three of you have just given three different opinions on that exact same challenge. Right. Right. So but you want everybody fired, right? That, that's right. And for, I, I'm with, I'm with you as much as I hate to admit it. If somebody did that on an Arsenal player, I would be screaming bloody murder that it's a red card. And if an Arsenal player did it, I, I would have a hard time arguing that it's not a red card. Right. I mean, yeah. it's okay. His foot went went on, you know, hit the ball and went on top of the ball. But isn't that the definition? You go over the ball. It doesn't say if you touch the ball. It just says yeah. you go over the ball. Simple as that. He went over the ball and he did it. So it's a red. You know. So I don't think Diaz or Liverpool really has anything to complain about there. And, you know, I, I really haven't heard them complain about that. Now, how do, what, what impact do you think that had on the match? What was the score at that time? Uh, oh, gosh. I think it was nil-nil still at that point. Okay. Okay. If, my, if I'm right. Um, I think – Always going down to like to go down to ten men. I, you know, I hate to say this. You know, sometimes it's has a cliche saying, right? It's harder to play against ten than it is eleven. But mm-hmm. in this day and age, against somebody like Liverpool, it's really not noticeable at most points. 
I mean, they well, went down to 10 men and came back and beat Newcastle. Right, yeah? right. So, yeah, playing against 10 men, I, I really didn't see that it had an impact from that standpoint, Cal, to be quite honest. Now, do you think that is a testament to Liverpool or do you th- think that says something about the way that Tottenham w- were playing in this particular match? Good point. And I was going to get to that. But uh, first of all, testament to Liverpool because Klopp's got them playing. Mm-hmm. He, he looks like they could play with eight men and still do just as well. <laughs> or nine. Right. Or nine, yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing is with Tottenham and something that Andrew will, will notice now because we did it against Sheffield United and we did it against Liverpool was that as the game wore on, we kind of started to slow down and run out of ideas a little bit. Mm-hmm. Liverpool defended very narrowly because right. they know that's where we want to come at them. Right. And they forced us wide, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, knowing full well that we don't have a Perisic to lob bombs in with pinpoint accuracy, you know what I mean? Right. So um, so from that point, I think that's a learning lesson for us mm-hmm. um, that we have to get better at closing out those games mm-hmm. when we are behind. Mm-hmm. And when we look at the bench, the bench isn't strong enough compared to our competitors. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. It's just so- not, it's not strong enough. I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound like, oh, we need a couple of hundred million. You know, no. But we need a couple of better players that we can replace. Sure. Have, sure. Especially if we look at just looking at in the next, I don't know when this is, January, but we're going to lose Basuma. We're going to lose Saar. We're going to lose Son. Mm-hmm. So that's three big players that we're going to lose. Oh, for sure. For the African and Asian Cup. So mm-hmm. and we're going to notice that. Yeah. And no doubt about that. So uh, Son scores 10 minutes after the red card. Yeah, good goal, too. Uh, yeah, uh, take take me through the goal. Well, um, it's Madison's creativity. I mean, he saw he saw the opening. It was a slide rule pass to mm-hmm. Richarlison, who, by the way, had a, had a pretty good game out on the left wing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he hit the post. So, Son played through the middle, and Richarlison was on the left wing. Yeah. I- interesting uh, that they've changed positions. How do you feel about that? If they change position? No, it sounds like they have. If a Charlton was on the left wing, that meant that meant Son was running. Yeah, well, the I center. think we kept we left Son central central. Oh, okay, okay, because that's where he's been, right? And that's where he's scoring you. goals. <clears throat> so right now, it wouldn't make any sense to put him back out on that left wing right now uh-huh. when he's having so much joy mm-hmm. playing centrally. You know, mm-hmm. but Richarlison played pretty well out on the on the left wing, but um. The, if you have a chance to go on YouTube, just check the pass from from Madison. It's it's an absolute defense splitting slide rule of a pass. I mean, okay. they, they had no answer to it, and Richarlison picked it up, played it square to Son, and Son mm-hmm. put it away. It was a really good goal, which is unfortunate. I mean, we're probably one of the few um, podcasts that are actually talking a little bit about the game. Um, yeah, <laughs> which is good, right? Yeah. Yeah, now, which is sad in many ways too. You know, right? Well, well, there there'll be time to uh, oh, at yeah. the end of, at the end yeah. of the podcast, or you know, after we talk about the game a little bit, yeah. we will. Uh, yeah, we'll revise that. 
So um, Udalki got a yellow card right before halftime. What did you What did you think about that? Yeah, it was it was worthy of a of a, a yellow. Um, I think. Um, <clears throat> you know, later on, later on in the game, if you look at Udogi, he trips over himself, and that's when Jota gets a yellow card. Yeah, well, yeah, I was gonna, yeah, yeah. We, we 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 were gonna get to that. Yeah. So right after he gets the yellow, Liverpool score. Yeah, yeah, it was a, you know, Gakpo turns, puts it in. Um, it's one one. Um, at that point, you feel because Liverpool is so good. I feel like okay, we got our work cut out here now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean. Mm-hmm. Thinking we have really got to knuckle down there and sort this out right now, but um, yeah, and and what's interesting is Gatpo got injured right before that. Yep, still was able to score the goal, but wasn't able to come out for the second half. Yeah, he, st- he didn't come out for the second half. Yeah, you know, it's um, <laughs> it, it's interesting. You know, Jota gets um. The the offside, sorry. We talk about the offside, or the non, or the 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 not offside. Let's put it that way. Okay. You know, um, e- even when I was watching it on TV, I'm like, well, that's a goal right there. Yeah, uh, obvious to everybody. Yeah. But the people making the call. And in fairness to the guys involved in there, um, Darren England. It was a miscommunication. That's how wars start, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was a miscommunication. He said check complete, thinking that the goal had been given. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And Simon Hooper well, just had moved on. Why wouldn't he think that? Right. If you say check complete, why wouldn't you think? So here's my take on this, right? Because didn't the linesman raise his flag for offsides? Yeah. I, I think in these situations moving forward, because we they'll they'll change the rules on this because let's let's remember when when the rules were changed during a champ a Champions League final with Liverpool and who was the other team? Oh yeah, Tottenham <laughs> when when Musa Sissoko's armpit, right? Uh-huh. In the first minute of the game was given as a penalty and it changed the whole game, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they changed the ruling on that later. Yeah. So my thoughts on this is we can't just rip on these guys because they are human, right? And it's only because we have VAR. It was a simple miscommunication. Not simple if you want, but at the time it probably wasn't. But what it required then was somebody to say, what I think should be done moving forward is in that situation, is even if the referee on the pitch is moving on to go, is to like get in his ear and say, no, no, just stop the play. It's a goal. Even if it's moved on, even if we're two phases back into the game, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or listen, we, we didn't realize you were going to restart the game. No, that's a goal. Right. Right. You know what I mean? As soon so somebody, as, as somebody in that truck, wherever that truck is in London that they sit in, has to take a leadership role and say, "Hey, no, call that back. It's a goal." 
But yeah, nobody, well, Darren England has a microphone right there. Right, and because because I mean, the rules the rules now dictate that okay, we've screwed up. We have to play on. You with me? Mm-hmm. So all of this and all of these VAR issues should be looked at as like con- continual learning lessons. It's not VAR. Well, it's it's the so, people. Since since we've gotten into this now, you know, I, I think. The the problem is there's no common sense. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's just a, a freaking idiot. I mean, how hard is it? As soon as he sees him put the ball down for the kick, hey, no, it's a goal. Yeah, you're right there. You got the microphone right. Hey, I mean, Simon, you know, it's a goal. It's a goal. I mean, what the hell? You know, and. What this harkens back to, if you remember Mike Dean, what, six months ago or three months ago, whatever it was, said that he admitted not overturning calls when he was on VAR because he didn't want to make his mates look bad. Yeah. That's idiocy. That's madness. Right, of course it is. It's idiocy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so that, you know, and I'm a big believer in labor unions. They have done a lot for this country. They have done a lot for many countries. But one problem with them is they are rarely concerned with the final product and all concerned about optics. Mm -hmm. And what the PGMOL has to realize is that if they get the fucking calls right, the optics will be great. Yeah. Just get the damn call right. Well, and in fairness to them, you know, VAR and referees get a lot more calls right than they do wrong. Right? That's statistically is, proven. Right? I mean, look, 51% ain't making it. It's not that bad, Cal. <laughs> holy, holy shit! I know. The referees should do them. They should get the referees union, and at and at five to three on a Saturday afternoon, when all the stadiums are full, the referees should go right. We're out striking. Fuck the lot of you. That's. Let me tell you. So, you know, I'm a big baseball fan, and I think it was 1990, maybe. Maybe it was later than that. Maybe it was 2000. I can't remember. But anyway, Major League Baseball had had a problem with the umpires union. Yeah. Because the umpires union was umpiring like they felt like. You know, and there were no standards for umpires. Like the shittiest umpire could keep his job just because the umpires union wanted him to keep his job. And Major League Baseball had no recourse. They could not go in and fire an umpire because they contracted with the labor union. And what was happening at that time is they had shrunk the strike zone to like nothing. You know, I mean, to throw a strike at that time was so difficult because, you know, a belt high pitch would be either hit for a home run or it was a ball. I mean, it was... You know, there was no high strike. So Major League Baseball, so 
Major League Baseball had had enough, and when the contract came up to renewal, they basically said, nope, we're not doing it. The umpires went on strike, and that was the worst thing that happened because Major League Baseball then hired the minor league umps who weren't part of the union. The you know Major League Baseball union did not they, – there wasn't an umpires union just like there's not an um, referees union. It's the yeah. PGO amount, yeah. not, you know, doesn't include the other, um, other leagues in England. And so they brought the other umpires up and there wasn't a ton of difference. There was a little difference, but not a ton of difference, not anything major. And all of a sudden the major league baseball's union umpires union was broken. Yeah. Yeah. And so Major League and so what Major League Baseball was able to do was to the, the union came back, but Major League Baseball was able to negotiate that they could fire umps and were able to negotiate a set of standards that umpires had to adhere to and Ratings. So Major League Baseball, um, Major League Baseball rates every umpire. They look at every single call, yeah. and every umpire is given a percentage. You know, Major League yeah. Baseball well, determines how the game is called. Maybe they should do not not like the NFL where the referees are given the call on the pitch, but having a conference afterwards. You know, well, why was that decision made? Um, you know, that kind of thing, you know, whether it, even if it's time, even if it's like, you know, 10 minutes, you know, and, and they can leave after 10 minutes, you know, but to come out and answer some basic questions to what happened in that game, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. As long as there is the, as long as the PGMOL does not answer to anyone, this shit's going to continue to happen. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. So there has to be some kind of regulation, some accountability. That's you know right. What I mean, and that That's does right. fall on Howard Webb from a leadership standpoint. You know, to say no question. Because you know, and the, some rules are going to have to be changed now, right? For things like this, I mean, you don't learn until shit like this happens, anyway, right? Well, you, you know, we, we learn from the mistakes, right? Right. So you let's I mean? take let's take the call um the call on on Diaz, the red card. You mentioned that there were three guys in the studio that all had a different opinion of what that was. On Curtis Jones on the red card? Right. Right. Yeah. The problem is it's the PGM PGMOL who decides if that's a red card or not. Correct, yeah. That decision should be made by the Premier League committee or the executive directors of the Premier League. They should be the one to say, okay, you hit him in the you, – your studs go into the shin. It's a red card all day long. Or we, we, we want you to call that as a yellow card. You know, it, it, the PGMOL does not know enough about football to determine how these games should be called. 
And the PGMOL is concerned about optics. So they are going to make calls like this whole thing about the let them play at edict and all that is for one reason. It's not to let them play. It's not to make the game better. It's so they blow their damn whistle less often because the more they blow blow it, the worse they look. Yeah. 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 Something's got to be done. I mean, there there has to be some accountability and it, and again, yes, it does beg a belief that there is no standard there as to why that, that isn't been implemented yet. You know what I mean? There's too many apologies coming out. I get that. You know what I mean? I mean it's freaking every other week. And it's not happening. The thing is, it's not happening in Europe. That's right. It's just happening in England. That's right. So you know, the, the the place where there is the most money to pay. And also, speaking of referee pay, this refereeing crew was doing a game in the United Arab Emirates. Yeah. Yeah. Two nights before. Correct. So they did a game. They flew in back, and then they did this game. Yeah, that's right. So what's that about? You know, do they not make enough money refereeing Premier League games that they have to go out of the country to referee games? I would say yeah to that. Yeah, and, and that's, that's ridiculous. Probably, yeah, you know. If that, 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 you think if they're making what I, I don't even know hundred grand a year, something ridiculous like that, two hundred k a year. I don't even know. If they're at the top of their profession, they should be, and yeah. just doing Premier League games. Yeah. So you know, if that gets because if they were to pay them that, they would have all the best referees in the world, and that's another thing. Let's not limit it to the greater Manchester area where the Premier League recruits referees from. Mm -hmm. Let's look at Spain. Let's look at France. Let's look at Italy. Let's get – you got the best players. Let's get the best referees. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the fallout is on this one because this one was a big one. I mean, this was the marquee game of the weekend, you know, globally. Oh, you know, I mean, that's right. And up until I mean, that it, point, and up until that point, it was a cracking game. Well, and I think that is also what is important here is that the contrast between the quality of football that was played versus the quality of officiating that went on during the game is as big as any game that we've seen because it wasn't just the offsides call. It was also the yellow card on Joda that led to his red card. Yeah, and Liverpool playing nine men. Yeah, and I've had I've had some texts from friends, you know, saying, "Oh, you're only saying that because it's because it's Tottenham," and it's like, no, it's it's really swings and roundabouts in football. Um, you know, if, even the forget the Champions League and just go back to last season. We were three 0 down at Anfield, and we clawed our way back to three three. Mm-hmm. We lost four three with a goal scored by a man that shouldn't have been on the pitch, Jogo Jota. Because if you remember, <laughs> that's right. If you remember correctly, that's, he did yes, a Bruce right. kick on Oliver Skip, and his foot was like <laughs> eight foot in the air, 
That's right. Smashed his studs in the skip, ripped his face open and everything. And That's he stayed right. on the pitch and scored the winning goal. Swings and roundabouts, my scouse friends. Swings and roundabouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. And I, so I think that, yeah, it, it's never a good thing when something like this happens. No, of course not, no. But let's see if any changes are made going forward. I think you know, one of the interesting aspects of this and one of the things that is crazy is like the PGMOL have a TV show. You know, are they going to get Michael Owen up there to <laughs> explain, you know, how difficult it is and have Howard Webb make excuses yeah. for all this kind of thing going on. And another thing that chaps my ass about this too is you've got Sky Sports and the broadcasters like spouting the PGMOL line. You know, it's like, well, we've got some content here from the PGMOL and we don't want to piss them off so we can get that content sure. um, broadcast on our channel. So let's say whatever they tell us to say. Of course, yeah, it's all let, money. Let, let's do what we can not to make them look that bad. Yeah. Well, having said all that, you know, back to the game, my my man of the match was Porro. No um, kid. He is turning into uh, – he's learning his craft. The whole Tottenham team, as we all know, is in a learning phase right now, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. without a shadow of a doubt, right? Um, and Porro is a cog within that learning phase, learning to be a right back. Mm-hmm. Because if we go back to his first game for Tottenham against Leicester, it was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, it was, I do. It was absolutely terrible. And if you look at that guy now, he looks great. I mean, against you guys and against against Liverpool, I mean, he, he's got an engine on him. And he was tracking back from, like, the byline down the Liverpool end and coming back and slide tackling the ball off of, you know, wow. um, Robertson and what have you. Mm-hmm. Covering seventy yards to make the tackle back, yeah. you know, and, and that's that's what you have to do in that position, right? And at the end of the day, it was still his cross that that Villez would have probably got if Gakpo hadn't kicked it out anyway. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But it was still Porro, and I think it still shows a little bit of resilience from Tottenham that they kept plugging away at it, even though it was frustrating, uh-huh. you know. And I say that because you can look back at the past when we had the miserable managers there, that we wouldn't have been doing that. Mm-hmm. There's no way that would have been happening, Cal. Right. It's just, just right. no way. But Postacoglu's mm-hmm. got him out there. Keep knocking on the door. Keep knocking on the door. And the stadium, you can tell that we've been starved of any kind of joy for uh-huh. years. You know what I mean? Because. <laughs> And I saw it when I was at the Man United game, before the game, during the game, after the game, walking down the high road, everybody's buzzing. Uh-huh. You know? And the way, I mean, it, again, it's all swings and roundabouts. Those 60,000 Tottenham fans in that stadium had no sympathy for Liverpool whatsoever. 
Uh, of course. And let's not. be fair. Let's be fair. If it was Liverpool against Man United, if it was Liverpool against Arsenal, and you guys were in the same boat, same reaction. No, no, no question. No, no one question. would care. You no. know, the same and, as and when the that re- happened last year when we lost four three at Liverpool, and you know, Skip's face was ripped off almost, and Ryan Mason was going on about it, and Klopp said to Ryan Mason, "He needs to shut up. He's got other things to worry about." So it wasn't a big deal then when your guys were kicking people. Uh-huh. In. That's football. Uh-huh. That's how it is. And this is your so, bit of karma now. This is this is your roundabout. That's just uh-huh. how it is. So, well, that does not justify no, no, no. the no. incredibly poor standards of officiating that are in the Premier League. So let me ask you a question. If I had told you before the season, that when you got to the Arsenal-Liverpool uh, back-to-back games, that Udagi would have been your player of the game in one and Poro would have been your player of the game in the other. How good would you have felt about uh, Tottenham? Um, at that time, I, I would have thought that would have maybe been unlikely. Mm-hmm. That That's what I mean. You know That's what I mean. That, so, you know, because you you ha- you had to feel relatively good about the other parts of your team, but to know those were players of the game in advance, how would how good would that have made you feel about yeah. the potential? Somebody said to me, a friend of mine said, "Well, you know, Doggy's got the most fouls in the Premier League," and I said, "Yeah, well, that tells me he's committed." And remember, <laughs> the fouls that he's making. Are not he's not studs in, he's not kicking anybody, he's not heading biting any headbutting anybody. They're not those fouls. Mm-hmm. Those are committed fouls where you know he, he clipped somebody or whatever. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I would say if I'm a coach, I would say that's okay. As long as those fouls are not blatant gratuitous fouls. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, I mean Udogi and Para, I mean they just I mean, it's great. You know, we've got two fullbacks that, that we've missed, that, the, that the, the club has missed for a long, long time. Two really important left back, right back, and, you know, midfield, which mm-hmm. is what we have not had for years that we do have now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got to be, you got to be feeling good. Yeah, look, next week we go into – we got Luton next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think it's gonna be an easy game. Um uh, but, away. Uh yeah, I believe so. Um but I feel confident that we'll that we will win. And I think it'll be a high score. I think we'll get three or four goals there, to be quite honest. Well, you would you would hope so. Yeah. You guys, who you guys? You got City, right? Oh yeah, that's like you know the the game that we've been preparing for. So it will be considering that we played our you know first team against Bournemouth. It'll be interesting to see how we come out on Tuesday against Lens because you know, uh, granted, we're fortunate that we're playing on the Tuesday and not the Wednesday. And the Man City game is the Sunday, not the Saturday. 
So we're playing Tuesday, have the game on Sunday. So there's a lot more recovery time than there would be for a normal, you know, two games in a week, period. So that's positive. But it'll be interesting to see how many of the starters he plays in the Champions League game because Man City game is our biggest game before Christmas. Sure. You know, and when you consider that they lost in the Carbar Cup, then they lost in the Premier League. And and how about that Korean guy getting the uh winning goal? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that was nice. Nice work. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that awesome? Treading dangerously there. <laughs> I'm telling you what. You know, when you've won the champions, when you've won the Champions League with two different teams and won the league with won your league innumerable times, I guess you can get away with stuff like that. I guess, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, don't you love it when karma comes back like that? Yeah, I do. But, yeah. Though I felt know, sad so, the in many ways, but there you go. Yeah, there you go. So maybe we're catching them at the right time. Maybe, and, or you know. Think think about this, that you've got City on Sunday, we've got Luton on Saturday. There's a strong possibility that Tottenham could be the only unbeaten club in Premier League come Sunday, come Sunday oh, evening. Yeah, for sure. If you'd have asked me that at the beginning of the season, Cal, what do you think my answer would have been then? I think you would have been quite surprised. But I think so. But that's, you know, really, I mean, what's important is how we play against Man City and can we get a result at the Emirates? Because, you know, if we can't, I mean, if we can win, all of a sudden Man City's in fourth. Yeah. You know, we talked about in our preview podcast and I urge – uh, all of our listeners to go back to our to go to our website and pull up that issue. But we mentioned what a dogfight it was going to be at the top of the Premier League this year, and if Arsenal can pull off that win, it'll just show with Tottenham beating Liverpool and Arsenal beating Man City and Arsenal and Tottenham drawing. Yeah, how tight that the league is certainly at the outset. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a real dogfight out there. Come on, City. <laughs> what are you, are you freaking crazy? I know, man. I know. Hey, what is going on here? They're playing I mean, Arsenal. It, Who do you have? Listen, if the Gasworks Eleven was playing Arsenal, I'd be shouting for the Gasworks Eleven. Who do I care? Look, look, I mean, you know, don't don't reach for the carbon monoxide. Uh, <laughs> you know, before you need to. Yeah, you know, I mean, sure. come on now. Uh, you, you would think you would think that everybody in the Premier League would be pulling for Arsenal in this game, but the reality is, just us Arsenal fans are pulling for Arsenal Got against that right, Man City. You know, so um, so that that should be a fantastic game. Uh, we'll see how the health of the team is com- uh, coming out of the Champions League fixture. Rick, do you have anything else? 
Um, no, other than, you know, the mood is good at Tottenham and it's, it feels really good. I, I've got to be honest with you, it's just great. And it's great watching this kind of football week in, week out. Again, it's like, we, we know there's going to be a game where we come a cropper, could be Luton, who knows, right? I did joke about that, I think, in one of the podcasts. We'll, we'll beat Man City 2-0 and lose 1-0 against Luton, right? <laughs> um, I, hard to see, but, you know, the mood... Either way, the mood is really good. I know we're going to come a cropper in one game. It can't last forever, you know, and it's a learning phase. So I'm going to enjoy it while I can. Oh, man, y'all ought to be damn giddier than... Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. A, a kid at ha- Halloween. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So thanks to everybody for listening. Again, we really appreciate you tuning in. You can follow Rick on the Twitter machine at ATF Podcast One. You can follow me on the X machine now at ATF Podcast Two. Rick, you want to plug the website? Yeah, check out the website. Get all the latest episodes. Um, we've got every episode loaded up there. We've got blogs on there. <clears throat> Arsenal Tottenham Fan Podcast dot com, and check me out on Instagram at Arsenal Tottenham Fan Podcast. Hey, and don't forget, go on there, listen to the pre- listen to the preview podcast, and keep track of our predictions as the year unfolds. Ooh. Thanks to everybody for listening. Come on, you Gunners! Come on, Tottenham! <laughs> <laughs>